Broadcasting from high above the reserve, this is Radio Harambe. Jumbo. And welcome to another episode of Radio Harambe. This is Safari Mike, and I'm alone today, and I'll tell you why in a few minutes. Uh, I'll tell you about the show, but first I want to uh, bring up our Tea Public store, where you can uh, go on there, check out all of the awesome designs done by my co-host Christina. You can get uh, t-shirts, hoodies, uh, mouse pads, mugs on things such as the Dawa Bar, the Nomad Lounge, Hotel Iberdica, and things of that nature. They're great. Uh, I wore them every day when I was at the parks recently, and I'll tell you, I had so many cast members ask me about the uh, the T-shirts. Uh, the big uh, big favorites were the uh, Kali River Expedition and the Jico shirt. To be to be honest, so go check them out at our Tea Public store. You can find um, the links on my uh, Twitter page at John Borby One. My Instagram, Safari underscore Mike, as well as the show's Instagram, Disney's Animal Kingdom. And by the way, we are also now on Threads, the the uh, social media that is linked with Instagram. Um, we just got on there, so feel free to go on there and uh, find me. It's the same handles as our Instagram handles. Now, for the show, let me start off by reading a excerpt from 1955. Its cunning and ferocity were so great as to be a match for anyone who encountered it. It could always outwit our Lepke hunters with their bows and arrows. The Thal Mung was said to live alone, or with a very few of its kind, and it went sometimes on the ground and sometimes in the trees. It was only found in the higher mountains of our country, Although it was made very like a man, it was covered with long, dark hair and was more intelligent than a monkey, as well as being larger. The people became more in number and the forests and wild country less, and the Thalmung disappeared. But many people say they are still to be found in the mountains of Nepal, away to the west, where the Sherpa people call them Yeti. That is from the book The Sherpa and the Snowman that was published in 1955. And today I wanted to kind of do a little deep dive, uh, as I sometimes long to do, on the mythology surrounding the Yeti. This is going to be in combination with a second show uh, in the near future regarding the backstory of Expedition Everest. But I wanted to start off by doing a, a little bit on the mythology surrounding the Yeti. We've done this kind of show in the past. I remember uh, one time Dave and I did a show where we did a sort of deep dive into East Africa and the setting of Harambe, and then we did a story regarding the back or a episode, excuse me, on the backstory of Harambe itself in the park. So that's what we're going to do today, and we're, I'm going to give you just sort of a brief run through of the various you know, myths and tales surrounding the Yeti. Now, the Yeti has a fairly common description 
in the Himalayas. It's typically thought to be reddish brown or even darkish, darkish gray. If it, of course, is covered in fur. It's generally smaller than Bigfoot. It's described as about being six feet tall. Well, you know, the legend of Bigfoot usually describes those creatures as seven, eight feet, or even more. Some people estimate that it weighs about 300 to 400 pounds. And the head is often slightly cone-shaped at the top, less round like that of a human. They are, of course, typically found in the Himalayas. The word Yeti itself is a mashing of two different words in Sherpa. The word for rock in Sherpa is Ya, and the word for animal is Te. So, Yate, rock animal. Or, some people believe that the, the word actually comes from the Sanskrit word for a hairy being of great strength, and that is Yaksha. Either way you look at it, those are one of those two is probably the origin of the word Yeti. Now, of course, the myth itself is not limited to Nepal. I've already talked very briefly about Bigfoot. Many cultures across the globe have formulated myths around a giant hairy man living in the wilderness. There are similar legends like this in the jungles of Africa, for example, or here in North, the Native Americans in North America, or even on the steppes of Mongolia and Russia. It is a phenomenon that's been recorded also with the dragon, in that these different cultures who had no real contact with one another across the globe uh, sort of formulated the same type of creature. The giant hairy man that lives in the wilderness of Bigfoot and Yeti fame, or the dragon that's found in such varied cultures as China, Western Europe, South America. Now the tales of the Yeti are typically stress the importance of community and staying close to the village. Of course, as you can imagine, living in the Himalayas, up high in the mountains, it could be a dangerous place, especially at night. When you can't see well, you know, young children may trip, may fall, and you know, down they go the mountain, which could be very, very dangerous. So a lot of thought is, is, is there's a lot of thought that these myths uh, were sort of quote unquote created to stress the importance to children of sticking close to the family, sticking close to the house, especially at night, by scaring the children um, of, of, with these legends of the Yeti, they won't go out necessarily at night. It's not unlike, for example, the stories behind Little Red Riding Hood or the origin behind Little Red Riding Hood. Now, most evidence of the Yeti, and there's very limited evidence, but most of the evidence that you see in books and on you know websites is footprints. But these are extremely unreliable, thanks to snowdrift, wind, melting in the sun. They often, footprints will often change relatively quickly in snow, which is also true for mud, for example. Now we've all been, or at least many of you have been to Expedition Everest and have gone through the queue at Expedition Everest. And one of the last parts of that queue is the Yeti Museum. And the only actual artifact in the Yeti mu Museum at Disney World are three footprints, or was one footprint, and is one of three footprints found by Josh Gates of Expedition Unknown and the Discovery Channel fame. However, scientists who have examined this uh, footprint, and if you see it in the museum, it does look like a, a, a big footprint, but 
Scientists who have studied it have said that it is almost assuredly a bear print that just sort of enlarged and morphed a little bit thanks to snowdrift. Now, another name for the Yeti is, of course, the Abominable Snowman. The 1921, or excuse me, in 1921, the British journalist Harry Newman was in the area and he had heard some of these legends about the Yeti and he was writing about these quote-unquote hairy men. He said that the locals called them Matu Kangmei. Now, Kangmei means snowman and Matu means man bear. But he mistranslated that last one uh, to mean filthy, not man bear. And then he went on when he was writing his piece to use the fancier term abominable. Thus came the abominable snowman. Now the myth dates back centuries, of course, um, in folktales of the area, and it apparently started with the Sherpa people of the Himalayas, but it spread all across Asia, uh, into China and Eastern Russia, Northern India. And we know it's centuries old because in 362, or 326, excuse me, BC, there is a writing from Alexander the Great. Now, apparently when he conquered the Indus Valley, which is in modern day India, he wanted to see a Sasquatch. He wanted to see a Yeti, excuse me. But he was told by the locals that the creature couldn't survive at lower altitudes. There's also a story of one of his battalions of men who battled a tribe of men covered in head to toe with hair and who fought with sharp claws. Again, uh, many people believe that that is uh, a reference to the Yeti. In the first century, Pliny the Elder wrote of the Yeti in his Natural History works. He described in that a creature found in northern India. He, believed, he said it walked on all fours, but sometimes would walk on two legs. The creature was fast and gave horrific shrieks, shrieks being a common element of the Yeti myth. He further went on to say it looks much like a human, but was covered in hair and had teeth like a dog. Now, of course, Pliny the Elder wasn't in India to describe this creature. This, this was given to him third hand, fourth hand, fifth hand, or, or on. So it could reference a bear, or it could reference even orangutan from Southeast Asia. But the first report in the West came in 1832, and that was the explorer B.H. Uh, B. Hodgson's who wrote in his, guide, wrote in his uh, journal that his guides had spotted a bipedal ape-like creature in the mountains. The first footprints were taken photographs and shown to the West in 1899. Now the Yeti, of course, was an integral part of Tibetan and Sherpan mythology from well before that. Scrolls and monasteries placed the Yeti somewhere between animals and humans. That is, the Yeti is not quite man, but it's also not quite an animal. According to Sherpa mythology, they are the children of men and apes. Sherpas typically practice a form of Buddhism that believe the soul at death leaves the body and enters the body of an animal. Therefore, many revere the Yeti for that very reason. Other people in Tibet have a legend that the Yeti is an incarnation of a monkey god and a demon. The Mani Kabum, a 12th century text, talks about how a female ogre met the incarnation of the monkey god of mercy. They gave birth to children who were very much like apes, and those children slowly transformed over time to become humans. But not all of them evolved, and some of them stayed as the Yeti. 
There is also the tale of Sangwa Dorje, a monk who had, was taken care of by a Yeti and made him his disciple. The Yeti uh, brought this sick monk food and water and nursed him back to health. But when the Yeti died, the monk kept his hand and his scalp. This hand and scalp were sacred and kept at the Pangbachi Monastery, dating back to the mid-1600s. They were used in fertility rituals over centuries. The hand was stolen in 1999. In any event, the hand was proven to be human, and the, and the scalp was actually from a serau, which is a hoof-like creature native to the Himalayas, very much like a goat. Sir Edmund Hillary, the first Westerner, uh, as you may know, to scale Mount Everest, was asked to look for evidence of the Yeti, and he actually came across this monastery. During the Dumchi ceremonies, a figure guards the monastery. This human, who uh, represents a Yeti, and his role is to scare away evil spirits who are said to be extremely afraid of Yetis. In this performance, as a Yeti, the man wears a conical Yeti scalp, which was kept at the monastery, a sheepskin turned with a furrow on the outside, and his face was painted black. This Yeti also helps to disperse negative forces from the community and represents the divine religious ally to all the worshippers. However, as I kind of said at the beginning, most tales of the Yeti is that the Yeti is dangerous. It's a warning. And these tales, like I said, were told to children to stay close to the village lest you see the Yeti. In many areas of the Himalayas, mountains are revered. The biggest mountains are often considered a god itself. These, if these mountains are displeased, they will send in a Yeti. And this Yeti will bring illness, destroy crops, sicken livestock, and even bring death to certain people. The Diprung Gumpa, which is another word for monastery, is in Tibet. It is one of the three great Tibetan uh, monasteries. In, uh, and one painting in that monastery shows a female Yeti carrying the head of a human. It is in that form, it is the spirit of retribution for these mountain gods. The Lepche people is another ethnic group in that area. It's a small group. There are only about 80,000 in the world compared, for, uh, compared to Sherpa, who number about 520,000. They worship the Yeti as spirits of the hunt. They call them glacial spirits, or Chumung. They are protectors of animals and mountains. They will make offerings to the Yeti of ginger and of dried meat and fish. Some stories tell of the lord of the animals being feared by these people, that they'd be pelted with stones and boulders. Again, this is very common, uh, commonly reported in Yeti sightings, and even in Bigfoot sightings of them being of stones and boulders being thrown at people. There's also tales of trees falling or being pushed over by the Yeti as a warning. And people will shake in terror upon the eerie whistle. Again, the whistle is a very common uh, element of sightings and stories of the Yeti. The Bhutanese people recognize two kinds of Yeti. The Machum are described as small hominid ape-like beings that with long arms and brownish or reddish hair who inhabit the deep forested slopes of the Himalayas. And the Gredpo usually stalks the high pastures where the herders bring their yaks. They are described as being huge with reddish brown or blackish hair, the Yeti of uh, the myths that we're talking about. Then there are the Sikkim people of the northern mountainous area of India who revere the Yeti also as a mountain spirit. 
But if the Yeti is not appeased, rain will come from the mountains, crops will die, and livestock will get sick. The Sherpa, as we've talked about a couple of times, believe in three different kinds of Yeti. One is much like a monkey, small, with a tail that lives in the, in the forest and up in the trees. Another is very much bear-like with elongated nose and, and walks on four feet. But the third is like a man, walking on two feet with a pointed head and coarse hair. Now the Sherpa believe that if you smell its pungent odor, run downhill. Apparently, Yetis have a difficult time running downhill as the hair gets in their eyes and it's difficult for them to see and they're being so big they have a difficult time. So if you do smell that odor or hear that shriek when you're in the Himalayas, run downhill. It's probably your only chance. Now, the Sherpas also believe that organized expeditions to hunt down the Yeti will never come to fruition. Animal, these animals, or man, something between a man and an animal, can disappear at will. And it is only by accident when the Yeti is kind of caught unawares that you actually see him. That's why their sightings are so rare. The Sherpa believe that there are many in numbers, but they're just so good at hiding and being able to disappear that their, their, their sightings are frequent. Reinhold Messner, he is a renowned mountain climber from Italy. He spent years tracking the Yeti across the Himalayas and even wrote that he caught a glimpse of it a couple of times. But in the end, he kind of came to the conclusion that most scientists across the globe have come to. All evidence, he wrote at the end of his journals, points to a nocturnal species of brown bear. Maybe, or maybe not. I want to thank you for uh, listening to this episode of Radio Harambe. As I said on our next uh, episode, we will be discussing, me and Christine will be discussing sort of the backstory and legend of the ride, the attraction itself, Expedition Everest. But I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of knowledge about the actual mythology surrounding the Yeti uh, of the peoples from that area. And I hope this was, uh, you know, a learning experience for you. It certainly was for me. I again point you to our uh, Tea Public store to purchase anything you'd like in terms of all the designs for Disney's Animal Kingdom or Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge, t-shirts and hoodies and uh, coffee mugs and, and travel mugs and stickers and the like. Every single dime we make goes to conservation. And we are currently uh, gathering money to send to Proyecto Titi, which is a a organization that was in part founded by people from Disney's Animal Kingdom to protect the highly endangered uh, cotton-top tamarind, which, if you have listened to recent episodes, you will know uh, the cotton-top tamarinds at Disney's Animal Kingdom recently gave birth to twins. So if you're at the park, go check them out on Discovery Island and uh, buy a t-shirt and some of that money, or all the proceeds anyway, will go to help conservation and protecto, uh, Proyecto Titi. Again, I'd like to thank you, uh, Quaharini, and go well. Takuna,